Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys to share uh, my heart for discipleship and evangelism with you guys here at River Rock Bible Church. Um, I love the Hill Country Association that we are a, a planting church network, that we're out to reach the greater Austin area with the message of the gospel, the message of peace, that, that when we believe in Jesus Christ because of his righteousness, because of his perfect life, his death on the cross, it's all, impu- all of his righteousness gets imputed to us and we're seen as clean. And that, that message really does set us free. It's a, it's a happy message. It should be like a happy year song. Like a, it's just such an exciting thing uh, for us to, to be able to be ministers of that gospel. And so today we're going to talk a lot about evangelism and discipleship. And these things aren't uh, usually easy topics for everybody. But I'm just going to share with you guys some stories about uh, my life and, and things that I've done, and, and we're going to be in John 17, so if you guys have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn there. We've got a lot of work to do, uh, so we'll get started really shortly, but just to tell you a little more about myself, I am a future church planner, pastor, God willing. Um, I'm from Dallas area originally, got married uh, when I moved to Austin to help out with the Church Plant Wells Branch Community Church, and <clears throat> I moved to Austin specifically to be raised up to, to plant churches and pastor. Uh, I felt like God was leading me to do that, and, and so I'm really excited to be in this area with other people that are fired up to advance that good news, and, and I want to share with us uh, Jesus' heart for discipleship today, not, not mine, because I, I know how important it is because it's been impactful in my life. I'll, I'll share some of that with you guys, but I really want us to get to the heart of the chief disciple maker, Jesus, today. So um, I've been married for eight months to a beautiful God-fearing woman, Katie. I'm a member at Wells Branch Community Church. And I'm really passionate about evangelism and discipleship. The first uh, disciple that I made in, in the Austin area was a guy named Mickey. And Mickey and I, we met at a barbecue. Uh, this is Mickey and me. Uh, when I met him, he was really far from the Lord. And, and so I, I realized that quickly. I took him to International uh, Pancake Day at IHOP. We got some free pancakes, and he received the message of the free gift of salvation. And, and so I led him to, to faith at IHOP. And it didn't stop there. I also got to walk with Mickey and do this thing of discipleship. And this was a, a really exciting thing. We laughed together when we hung out. Uh, actually, the week that he had accepted Christ, I sent him to prison ministry. And he shared the gospel with inmates. So not only are you, are you sharing, but you're sharing with inmates. And so this is a really intimidating thing. But... He, re- he led three people to Christ in prison the week that he got saved. That's, that's how discipleship should really look. Now, after that, we kind of got to this point where uh, Mickey and I were continuing to uh, talk. We were continuing to meet. And I really felt like he was at this turning point where he was like, going to start owning his faith and I wasn't just going to keep pulling him along. And I misread the situation completely. Have you guys ever misread a situation? So I misread it. He wasn't at this turning point. He was at this turning away point where he wanted to focus on uh, obtaining the lifestyle that his girlfriend's parents had so that he could marry her. Uh, Going to New York, taking a bunch of pictures, having this extravagant lifestyle. He's like, I got to focus on nursing school. I really appreciate all the stuff that you've done for me, but I really want to get into nursing school. So I've got to study and study and study and and get that. And it it breaks. It was just a heart shattering thing. When you love someone, you care about that person, and you lead them across that line, and then you're celebrating every step with them as they go towards Christ, and they turn around and walk away. And so, so discipleship is the thing that's really uh, important. We know it's important, but it's also really difficult. Uh, when things like this happen, you want to quit. Like, I, wa- I wanted to quit. I didn't want to make any more disciples. I was like, 
I, I, I'm the type that analyzes everything, every little piece of the situation. And I was, I was overbearing. I pushed him to make steps that he wasn't ready to make. I, I, I was really like this iron fist of like, oh, girlfriend, can't sleep over. No, none of that. Um, all, this, all of these things that I was pulling him along to do, and he was, he was just like, okay, sure. So he walked with me. He followed me. But then he was like, dude, I've been faking it the whole time. I don't really understand this importance. I don't really get this message. And, and so this was a heart-shattering thing, and, and I think that, that maybe some of you guys can connect with me, and maybe a lot of you guys can connect more with the Mickey side of the story, where you've, you've been in this relationship, and you've had somebody that was kind of pulling you along, and, and discipleship was a nightmare for you. And if discipleship was a nightmare, you don't want to be the disciple maker. You don't want to be saying, hey, follow me, and then cause that for someone. We're so afraid of, of doing it wrong that we're not doing it at all. And, uh, and, and maybe you're in a boat where you've never been discipled. Maybe you've never had someone say, follow me. So you're kind of clinging on to that excuse of like, how, how am I supposed to make disciples if nobody's ever done that for me? Or, or maybe you've never even heard of discipleship. And if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Like, I, I'm just glad you're here to hear this message. We're not going to be uh, talking about my specific experiences all day. We're going to hopefully follow Jesus' example, not mine, because mine is so imperfect, so uh, messed up that it's a really broken picture. I don't want you to follow that. I want you to follow his example. Um, so what is a disciple? What is discipleship? This thing is, is so important, but a lot of times we, we fail to place an actual definition on it. So I'll tell you, first off, what discipleship isn't. Um, there's this blog that I love to go to. Uh, it's called Art of Manliness. And if you're going to go on a dove hunt, you might find some great articles on the art of manliness about how to, how to kill some doves. All right? You might also find some great articles on how to give a manly handshake, how to cook a steak on a shovel, how to start a fight club in your garage, how to give, throw a dynamite straight punch. As much as I love the blog author of this and, and all the manly skills that I, I learn, like how to grow a great beard that looks nice, as much as I love it, it's not discipleship. You have to follow a person in real life, not on Twitter, not on a blog, for it to be discipleship. It needs to be life on life. Uh, another example that we see in pop culture is that of Justin Bieber and Usher. Now, men, stay with me. <laughs> Justin Bieber sent out his uh, tapes to all these people. Usher hears his tape. He's like, this kid's got it. So he takes him in, and I love Usher. I, I had it bad. I let it burn. I, I love his music, right? So when I hear Justin Bieber, I'm like, ah, eh, not so much. But sometimes I hear Justin Bieber, and I don't recognize that it's Justin Bieber. And I'm like, oh, he must have learned that from Usher. He must have been picking up some skills from Usher. So this is, a, this is actually a great uh, example of discipleship because there's a clear leader and a clear follower. They spent a lot of time together, and the follower becomes like the teacher. Luke 6.40 says, that a disciple is not above his teacher, but in every way will become like him when the work's complete. So as disciples, we become like that person. Now, you see that uh, Beeb starts to have the dance moves. They start to dance the same, starts to dress similar. And when he messes up, Usher's got his back. Even when he, when he does stupid things, he's like, he's got his back. And, and so what we can learn here is that even though this isn't discipleship uh, in a Christian sense, you still have one person following the other person. Now, the biggest difference here is our job is to make people like Christ with uh, being a disciple of Jesus. Our job is to make people like Christ, to imitate him and, and say, follow me as I follow Christ. So our job is to make people like Jesus, not like 
ourselves, not making clones, okay? So uh, just a working definition for us today is that being a disciple of Jesus, we imitate him. We carry on his ministry in the earth. This is in your fill-in-the-blank notes if you guys have them. Uh, And we become more like him in the process. So we're going to act like Jesus, do what Jesus did, and become more like Jesus. Now, this isn't ever going to be finished or complete on this side of heaven. We're not, we're not going to become exactly like him, but we're, going to, we're aspiring to be transformed into the likeness of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. That, that's a promise that we have from Scripture that we can cling on to. As we imitate him and carry on his ministry, we're going to become more like him. So we're going to, we're going to keep moving uh, today. We're going to be in John 17. And this is like a theologically rich text. I could preach 100 sermons on this, and I would never get tired of it. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of stuff that's uncovered, but I would encourage you guys to uncover those gems this week in your quiet time, to uh, spend time alone with the Lord and say, teach me what this means. Teach me what you want me to know here. Uh, how can I be better at making disciples the way that you made disciples uh, from this text? So it starts off, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to, set to heaven. Uh, he had finished talking to his disciples. He said, in this world, You'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he lifts up his eyes to heaven. He's praying in front of all of his disciples. And he says, Father. He starts off his prayer with Father. He knows who he is. He says the hour has come. He knows that he's about to go to the cross to bear the sins of the world. And this, is, this isn't an easy time for him, but he doesn't have like this Eeyore depressed attitude about him. He's, he just said, I've overcome the world. And and so he's praying to his, his father. And, and one of the takeaways that we, could, we can have really quick from there is that if it's hard for us to pray, if it's hard for us to talk to God, we need to just see him as our father. We need to know that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gives us the right to become children of God. So if you've trusted in Christ for your salvation, you can pray father. And we should pray father. And, and when we think about God as our dad, it's so easy to just say, dad, I'm having a tough day. Help me out. That the hours come. Stuff's not looking so great, uh, but but I need your help. So so give me some strength. So he says, uh, Father, the hours come. Glorify your son, so that the son may glorify you. Glorify is a tough word for me. For me, glorify is a tough word. I don't. I'm like, I was like, what does that mean? Uh, and it's it's something to kind of gr- give great value to someone, to make their name great, to make them famous. And we see this in the world. We we've seen this um, when Texas A&M lifted up Johnny Manziel in Times Square. Now, when he won the Heisman, they made him great. They literally lifted him up and put, it, put his uh, name out there. They put his picture out there. They lifted him up. And what's cool about this is when they gave Johnny glory because Johnny was in A&M and A&M was in Johnny, they got glory, Right? So they get glory from giving him glory. And Jesus is praying the same prayer. He's, he, he's saying, Dad, give me glory so that I can share it, so that I can make you famous, so that I can tell the whole world who you are and that they can be saved. All right, we're going to keep moving. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life whom you have, to all whom you've given him, he knows that he's the Savior of the world. And this is eternal life, that they know that you are the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing Christ. Know Jesus, have life forever, worship him in heaven forever. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is, this is one I don't want us to skip over uh, really quickly. 
I want us to just think on this for a second. He says, I accomplished all the work that you gave me to do. Now he's speaking in past tense, and this is kind of framing the next 22 verses. He's saying, I accomplished all the work that you gave me to do. In the next 22 verses, it's not him uh, sharing all of these miracles that he's done. It's not saying, I preached all the sermons you gave me. They were great. He's saying, I made disciples. And so he's really just framing the next 22 verses where he's going to talk about his disciples, the ones whom you gave me, is the way he, he puts it. And, and so he's going to talk about his disciples. So all this kind of hinges off that verse. Uh, and the last part he says is, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Take me back to where, what it was like before I left heaven, when we were in heaven, and I, I was being worshipped by angels with you. And, and I want to be back with you because you're, you're my dad and I, I love you. Uh, he, he knew who he was. He knew what he had come to do. Uh, and, and this is our first point, that Jesus knows who he is and he prays to glorify God. For us to make disciples, for us to do any of this, we need to know who we are in Christ and we also need to know who Jesus Christ was, that he was the savior of the world and that when we trust him, our whole life, our whole identity can be shifted through that. We can start to see everything through a new lens. And honestly, for this, for this uh, lesson, it wasn't something that was easy for me to learn. Uh, when I first moved to Austin, I, I remember I was doing preaching practice. And I tried to speak, and I couldn't get two words out before, like, going back and correcting those two words. And so I finished my first sermon, and it, it was a bunch of pastors and uh, uh, people who were solid Christians in the room, and they were like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you believe what you just said. And it was like, man. And it wasn't just in preaching practice. It was like any time I talked to those guys, I, I was trying to impress them. I was trying to be uh, something. I was trying to make myself great so much that I couldn't actually communicate anything. I couldn't communicate any passion for, for what I really love more than anything else because I was so caught up on myself. I didn't know who I was in Christ. And this, this is what uh, sabotaged me. And so my whole point here is that if we find our security in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone, then we're going to be able to walk out what we're supposed to do. And, and we're going to be able to carry on this message of redemption. Now, in 17.4, uh, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And this right here that he's framing here is the method of reproduction, the method of reproducing disciples that are Christ's followers. Now, John 19.30 is when Jesus is on the cross, and he says, it is finished. He's completed the work of the cross. He's paid for all past, present, and future sins for anyone that would believe in him. And so that's the message of redemption. What we're going to be talking about the rest of today is the method of reproduction, how we can reproduce ourselves as disciples that are Christ followers. Uh, and, and so we're going to keep moving in that today. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Now, his disciples were the ones that God had given him. He didn't see his disciples as probably, uh, at, at this point, if, he hadn't, if this wasn't in the Bible, I'd be like, Jesus was, thought these guys were knuckleheads. These guys were failures. They, they betrayed it. They're going to betray him in the time that he needs them the most. And, and he's like, he sees them as a gift. I manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, 
and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. So Jesus brought good news to his disciples. He brought this great news that if people heard this message, that, that if they knew that he was from God, that they could uh, receive this free life, free eternal life. And, and so the first step for discipleship is oftentimes evangelism. Sometimes it's not. Uh, I have a guy who's really invested in my life. His name's Robert Sass, and he disciples me in the area of evangelism. Uh, we go and do a ministry called Visitation where we visit people who visited the church, and we just go to their houses, and we're like, hey, we're here to connect with you. We're here to communicate uh, just with you, get you connected, answer any questions you have. We're not recruiting you to the church, but we're just trying to be here if you have any questions for us to answer them. And from that, we have a lot of fruitful conversations where we get to communicate the gospel. We say, who are you? Where are you spiritually? How can I help you take the next step? Now, Robert is this master evangelist who's really invested in me and taught me how to, how to do this. But one night, we went and visited this other guy named Kevin. So we knock on his door, and Kevin comes, and we're actually looking for a lorry. And so we're like, is lorry home? And he's like, no. And usually I wouldn't answer the door, just being real with you. And he's like, but for some reason, I felt like I had to. I don't know if it was your nice button-down shirt or, or what it was, but I felt like I had to come and, and answer the door. What are, you, what are you guys here for? And so he, he invites us in. Robert navigates this conversation where we share our story, we, share, we hear his story, and we find out that he's in this place where he has grown up in church, but he hasn't actually uh, trusted in Christ for his salvation. He's not confident that if he, if he passes away that he'll be in heaven. He's not confident that Christ alone is enough for someone to be saved. And, and so we get to draw a bridge illustration where we just say, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What we deserve for that sin is death or hell. And, and that's the bad news. And he's like, whoa, all right. And then I'm like, well, but wait, don't, don't check out on me yet. But God loved us so much. He demonstrates his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made a way for us. And that if we trust in him, that we'll be saved. If we, if we trust in Christ alone for our salvation... It's not any good works that we do. It's just Christ's perfection imputed onto us. That's what makes us righteous. And he's like, I want that. So I got to lead Kevin to Christ. And remember, I went to visit Lori, right? So he's living with his girlfriend at the time, his girlfriend of six plus years. And so I'm like, all right, well, what's, what's our next step? What do you want to do next? He's like, well, I'd love to learn more. So I start meeting with him. Uh, not trying to add a whole lot extra to my schedule, but just trying to meet with him and say, well, what, what do you do? Kind of get to know him more. Built that relationship first up front, and then I was like, so Kevin, th if there's one thing in your life that I, I don't love, it's that you're living with your girlfriend of six plus years. That's, it's weird to me that, that you've been with someone for six plus years and you haven't um, made an, the next step there. Uh, and we had the marriage talk, and it was tough right? And he was like, man, I know that you love me because you had this talk with me. I know that you care about me because you had this talk with me. A lot of my friends wouldn't do this for me. So that's how I know something's different about you. And this was a talk that was so exciting because a less than a month later, he proposes. And then they get married. And he doesn't just invite me to be a part of the wedding, but he invites me to officiate the wedding. So I get to officiate my very first wedding for my friend Kevin and Lori. And this, this thing of Jesus 
sharing good news and teaching his disciples to obey the word, like when we live this out, when we share the good news and we teach our disciples to obey the word, there's nothing more exciting than seeing somebody commit their lives to, to this woman that they've been with for, for seven years. And not just to commit his life to her, but to say that our marriage is going to be a picture of Christ and his church. And, and that's the purpose of us getting married. That's why we need to get married. We can't keep living like this. We need to obey God's word so we can keep growing in him. So we need to have, we need to share good news for us to make disciples. We need to, and a lot of us, honestly, we need a plan to share good news or we're not, we're just not going to do it. And so if you don't, if you don't have a plan to share good news, uh, that's something that I'm sure that we can, we can grow in. And if you just want to write this down, Romans 6.23 and John 3.16 is, is the easiest way for you to do it, just to share what you believe. What we all deserve, we're all sinners, what we deserve for that is death, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And we can trust in that and we can share that. And uh, it's always better to share it out of relationship than knocking on someone's door. But if, if you need to knock on someone's door to get practice, that's, do it. We should, I mean, we, we should be bold for the gospel, right? If it, if it really changed our lives, it should, it should be something that doesn't just stay in us, right? All right, so we're going to keep moving. I'm praying for them. He's praying for his disciples. I'm not praying for the world. World in John means humanity and rebellion against God, not earth. We're not going to have like plants come out and grab us or anything. Not for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they're yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. He's saying sustain their faith. Keep them in, your, in the faith which you've given me that they may be one, even as we are one. He wants his church to be united. He wants us all to be united. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is Judas, and in Zechariah 11, it prophesies that um, the Son of Man will be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. It's also in Matthew 27, um, but it, it was to fulfill scripture. Jesus said, I protected all my men. I kept them for you. And I've given them your word. And the world has hated them. The world hates the world. Humanity and rebellion against God gets uncomfortable when we live out his word. It, it's powerful. And, and, and he doesn't just give us the word. Now I'm coming to you in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He, he gives us his word. We share this word so that people's joy can be full. We want people's joy to be full. Jesus wanted our joy to be full. That's why he gave us his word. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. What Jesus is saying is sanctify them. Make them more like me using your word. Your word is truth. We need to examine our lives against his scripture, against his word for us to be able to know what he wants for us, for us to be able to know what he has for us. We need to examine our lives against his word so that our joy can be full. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to have full joy from examining our lives against his word. And not, not just so he can have a bunch of people like him. He wants, he wants us to be his representatives in this world. 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Saying, I, I, you sent me, I'm sending them. We're sent. We need to see ourselves as sent. As, as a church, we need to see ourselves as sent. Not, to, not all of us are sent across the world to the ends of the earth, but we're sent to the places that we already go. So when you go to get coffee, you have conversations that are intentional with people, and you're saying, you, know, you just get to know people. Just care about people, and you'll be surprised how many times that you can have spiritual conversations with them. You'll be surprised how many times that you can share Jesus because somebody will say, man, I'm hurting. You're like, well, well, where are you finding your hope? I'll tell you where I find mine. It's not me. It's, it's Jesus. And he tells me that he, he wants my joy to be full through knowing his word. And, and I'm not just like a Bible thumper. I'm, I'm like a person who genuinely believes what this says. I just believe what God said, that he gave me his word so that I could know him, so that I can know that I'm saved and, and that I could live out what he has for me. That's all, that's all I want to do. That's all I want my life to be about is, is making him known. And the more that we just start to see ourselves as that, the less that we're going to see our, our God as like this just genie God, right? This God that like, God, you promised that if I did what you told me that you would give me this, He's not our genie. He's our God. He loves us enough to withhold things that we want wrongly from us. Um, and so Jesus is, is saying, sanctify them. I'm sending them. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. He's saying he consecrates himself. Consecrates a word that means set apart. Now he's not talking about he's about to set himself apart. He's saying I already set myself apart. I was in heaven being worshipped by angels and I saw that there was no way for them to cross that bridge from death into life. And, and I, I was in heaven being lifted up by angels, glorified by angels. I saw that they had no way to, to be righteous. They had no way to be right. And every time that they tried to be right, they failed miserably. And so he came down. He put on flesh and he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He set himself apart so that we could trust in him and be set apart and be holy for him. He wants us to be holy. He's willing to come down and to give everything up so that he can be the name above all names and so that we can find salvation in him. He wants his disciples to be sanctified. He prayed for his disciples to be sanctified. Jesus prayed for his disciples to be sanctified and sent. So as we are sent, uh, so when I first came to faith, I was a mess. Straight up mess, like still drinking, still having a problem. And, and it was three and a half years ago. It was February 21st, 2011 was when I dedicated my life to Christ. My friend Daniel Barrett led me to Christ and uh, he wanted my joy to be full. So he sent me to start teaching uh, to underprivileged children at this Friday church. And at this Friday church, um, I started to see that these kids had no they had nothing. Like, their, their houses were a mess. Half of them didn't have their dads. Their lives were a mess. And as I saw them, and my heart grew with compassion for them, I stopped seeing God as my genie. I stopped seeing God as like, just give me what I want. Make, give me, make me great. Make me great. Make me great. I was like, man, they need to be served. They need to be loved. And as we serve, our heart becomes to, begins to move and become more like his heart. As we are sent as we share. It's not comfortable always. It's awkward a lot of times. But as we're sent, 
we start to become more like him. And, and this is something that still is happening for me today, but the urgency begins when you're sent, right? The urgency to be sanctified begins when you're sent. This is still happening for me, for me today. Uh, my friend Robert, he's this great mentor of mine. Uh, he's a guy who taught me a lot of discipleship. He also did my premarital counseling. Uh, this is him on the left with my wife and I and his wife at our wedding. And now Robert's been a great influence in my life. Uh, and last week he said, James, I need to talk to you about something. You only work with fat people. I was like, what? He's like, no, hear me out. You only work with faithful, available, and teachable people. This is the kind of disciples we should make, for the record. He told me that before, but faithful, available, teachable, fat disciples, those are the people we should invest our time in. And, and he's like, but I know that these are the people you should invest your time in, but the people that aren't fat, you treat them like crap. You just write them off. You make snap judgments of people, and then you're treating these people that you don't see value in like they're not people. And that's completely wrong because that's not what God would do. That's not what God wants for us. God wants unity for us. We've talked about this. And so sanctification is still happening in my life. It's still great in my life. Uh, and, and I need men like this discipling me. And I need to be discipling other men for that to be happening. God works through us making disciples, his method of reproduction for us to become sanctified. And that's something we should all be aspiring to do. Now, this next verse is probably my favorite verse in here. And, and this is because about 2,000 years ago, Jesus was thinking about us. He was, he was praying for you. Let me, let me show you. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. He's praying for us. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe that, that our God is, is praying for us. Our Savior is praying for us. He's looking forward to us. And, and the whole thing with this method of reproduction, the reason why it's so important is that you teach faithful men to teach faithful men to teach faithful men to teach faithful men or women. Don't get me wrong, but you teach these faithful people to carry this message, and that's how it got to us. That's how we have his word. That's how we have his truth. And then he said that the, they may all be in one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me and I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. The reason we do discipleship, the reason we make disciples, the reason we carry this name is love. Our charge is love. That we care about people more than our own comfort. That we care about sharing Jesus more than being comfortable. And if we do that, if we... If we start just doing life with people, I'm not asking you guys to, to really step out and do a whole lot extra. I'm just saying, instead of going to your kid's soccer game, you invite a friend to come watch your kid play soccer, and you talk life with them. Instead of going to the grocery store alone, you invite another friend to go to the grocery store with you. And you just do life. You're intentionally living for Jesus and imitating Jesus. And they're watching you, and they're, they're going to start imitating you and becoming more like you. But I don't think that we're, we're there yet because I don't think that we have people following us because we haven't made the ask of follow me. 
Will you be my disciple? I'm going I'm to finish this up really quick. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am. He's asking for us to be in heaven to see my glory that you've given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father. Oh, Dad. Even though the world doesn't know you, I know you. And these know you. They know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Our, our charge here is love. And, and here's the truth, guys that you have relationships, that you have uh, emotional buy-in with people that I would never have emotional buy-in with. You have a relationship with people that I would never have, with people that Charlie won't have unless you bring him, with people that Stephen won't have unless you bring him. These are people that only you can reach, that that are intentionally in your life for you to, to make disciples of. So right now in your bulletin, I want you to write down three people that you're going to invest your life in, that you're going to say, follow me to. And I want, to, I want you guys to, to write those people's names down. I want to see you guys write their names. And, and if you don't have three people, just start praying for three people. Pray that God would send you those three people. He's, he's going to be faithful to send you those people. And if you aren't already doing this, God is going to help you. You've got to just pray for him to help you. Pray for him to show you what he cares about. And he's going to start turning your eyes to other people. I really, I really um, am thankful for this opportunity to talk to you guys uh, about this thing that I'm passionate about. But, but my hope is that it wouldn't just be me that's, that's seeing God's word. It's, it wouldn't just be me that is, is taking this charge to make disciples seriously. That we would really do life with each other that we would break down the walls, that we would have real community, and that we would live for him. Thank you, guys. Let me pray. God, uh, I'm just so thankful for your word and your truth, Lord. I pray that we would be sanctified through reading it, that we would come to know you, Lord, and uh, that that relationship would just be more real to each of us. I pray that, that your truth would just penetrate our heart and our, our souls, that we would read your word, that we would know your word, that we wouldn't get comfortable and complacent with the relationship that we have with you, but we would strive to know you more, strive to be more like you, Lord, strive to imitate you, to carry on your ministry, Lord, and to become more like you. That's our hope. We love you so much. Say this in Jesus' name. Amen.